Hello and welcome to episode 87 of ERRX, a podcast tailored to your clinical needs. I'm your host, Adis Carrick, and in this pharmacy consult episode, I'll discuss whether or not we should be giving IV magnesium to every patient in atrial fibrillation in your emergency department. Stable, rapid AFib is usually defined as a heart rate greater than 110 without signs of hemodynamic instability. In the ER setting, these patients are typically treated with beta blockers or calcium channel blockers, and sometimes even digoxin or amiodarone. Lately, I've been hearing more and more that adding IV mag to the mix could help achieve rate control and maybe even rhythm control. This makes sense because mag blocks calcium channels in the heart, reducing the sinus node rate while also prolonging AV conduction time and refractory periods. It also has some amiodarone-like actions on cardiac potassium channels. We have data from two previous meta-analyses published in 2007 that looked at giving mag in addition to standard of care for the treatment of rapid AFib. And what they found was that mag usually helped achieve rate control and sometimes even rhythm control when it was given as an adjunct agent. There's also an updated, more powerful meta-analysis published in 2021 that's going to be the focus of this episode. In this newer meta-analysis, they excluded studies comparing MAG to other antiarrhythmic drugs or electrical cardioversion. Remember, we want to know its adjunct effects specifically, not if MAG should or could be used as a sole agent. They also excluded post-cardiac surgery patients given the unique, self-limited nature of AFib in this setting, patients in AFib without RVR, those who got their MAG orally, or those with other arrhythmias. What we're left with is looking at randomized controlled trials that compared IV mag to placebo in addition to standard of care to treat rapid AFib in adults. The primary outcome included the ability to achieve rate and rhythm control as defined by the individual trial. So typically, this meant a pretty conservative heart rate of less than 90 to 100 for the rate control or the ability to maintain sinus rhythm for the rhythm control outcome. They included data from six trials, ending with 448 patients in the MAG group and 297 in the control group. The dose of MAG ranged from 3 to 10 grams. Almost all patients had normal MAG levels at baseline, and the drugs used as standard of care varied between the studies, as expected. They found that IV MAG worked significantly better than placebo at achieving rate control, at 63% versus 40%. And unlike most previous trials, they found significantly more patients converted to normal sinus rhythm at 21% versus 14%, which can be both a good or bad thing depending on whether or not you actually wanted to convert your specific patient. I know what you're thinking. 3 to 10 grams is a lot of mag. And I really wish the individual trials would have used more reasonable doses, like the typical 1, 2, or even 4 grams we usually give. But thankfully, in a subgroup analysis, they found that lower doses of MAG, those less than or equal to 5 grams, worked better compared to doses greater than 5 grams for achieving rhythm control. And although it's kind of a mystery as to why this was the case, I'm super glad it was because now we don't have to worry about giving 6 or more grams of MAG in the ER. Side effects included more flushing in those who got MAG, but there were no differences in rates of bradycardia or hypotension. And of course, the meta-analysis itself wasn't perfect. It included small, old studies, gave more digoxin than we do today, and didn't mention potassium levels, 
which we know can also affect rates of conversion. So to wrap up, giving Meg with your rate control agent of choice probably helps reduce the heart rate. And we have both a plausible mechanistic reason for this, along with decent data from a few meta-analyses. But there are some caveats and cautions. We know that low baseline MEG levels are associated with developing AFib, and that giving MEG may work better in patients with low MEG at baseline. But in all three meta-analyses, most patients had normal MEG levels. So it's possible that the effect of MEG would be even more pronounced if we only gave it to patients with low MEG levels at baseline. Also, in two meta-analyses, including the newest one, MEG actually helped convert patients to normal sinus rhythm, which, as I mentioned before, may be harmful depending on the scenario. If the rhythm started more than 48 hours ago or patients aren't anticoagulated already, converting to normal sinus rhythm isn't a good idea. My personal take is that MEG is a good adjunct to give to healthy, anticoagulated patients or those with AFib that started within the previous 48 hours especially if their mag is low. So the answer to the question is no, not every patient in AFib should get mag, especially those you don't want to convert. If you do decide to give it, I recommend 1 to 2 grams over 30 minutes, as I talked about in episode 30, prior to giving the rate control agent. And along with mag, remember to check and replace potassium as well if you have the time. And keep in mind that MEG shouldn't be given alone, and it probably doesn't help when given prior to planned electrical or chemical cardioversion. As always, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for wanting to learn more about pharmacotherapy. If you have any comments or anything you'd like to add to this episode, please give me a shout out on the ERRX Podcast Instagram page, or reach out to me personally on errxpodcast.com. I'd love to respond to all comments and criticisms. I also want to take a second to shout out a friend of the pod who chose to stay anonymous for their donation on buymeacoffee.com. Donations like this help keep the podcast running and free for everyone. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, the link to donate is super easy to get to. It's linked in the bottom of the episode description wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube, and on the website. Also, if you have a second, please follow and share the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or just wherever else you listen to podcasts. Following, sharing, and rating the show are great ways to help the podcast grow and get more of our community involved. I'll see you next time.